born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. I want to explain to you that God is not hanging on to you by a thread. That once you trusted Christ as your Savior, buddy, I tell you, you know, we're just barely secure. You know, almost secure. But you are very, 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 very secure. The other night we talked about Romans in chapter 8, and I referred to a verse. So look in Romans in chapter 8, and we're going to use that as our launching pad. And uh, share a few things with you that I hope will help you to feel a little bit more secure. You know, you can't be any more secure than what you are. But you may not know how secure you are. So I want you to be convinced from the Word of God, you really are. So in the book of Romans, and chapter 8, you'll notice there's a verse there that says, in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, I put in here, just like whenever Paul had wrote to Timothy and says, Be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it ought to be strong in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be strong in the security that's in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we should be strong in this salvation that God has given to us. So what can separate us from grace? What could separate you from his love? What can separate you from salvation? Zero. Nothing. We are not just barely saved. And God's just hanging on us by a thin thread that could just easily break. And you could lose your salvation. No. We have eternal security. And buddy, when he says you're secure, you and I are very secure. There's not even a possibility of him ever losing us. And so he makes this statement here in verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. So once you trusted Christ as your Savior, the victory that Christ had when he was here in this world, the law could not condemn him. Because he did not sin. The devil could not trap him. Could not seduce him. Could not get him to sin. He had power over the devil. Power over the grave. 
power over sin, power over everything. You see, he did not fail. He was victorious in all that he did. Now take your Bible, look there in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He makes this statement in verse 57. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. After he's gone through and talking about how sure it was that Christ came back from the dead. And how sure it is that Jesus Christ is coming back again. See, Christ coming back from the dead isn't something that we did. Him paying for sin isn't something that we did. Him coming from the dead, we didn't do that. Him coming back again, we, we don't do any of that. That's all what he does. And he is victorious in everything he does. He did not fail in any way. He has not failed. He isn't failing today, and he will never fail. He cannot fail. He is the Lord. And when you and I trust Christ as our Savior, we are in him. His victory was given to us. This is so important to remember. Jesus Christ, his victory is given to us. Therefore, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why was he victorious? Because he loved us. He loved you. So he came born of a woman made under the law, fulfilled it perfectly, lived a righteous life, and never messed up. Died willingly, came back from the dead, and is alive forevermore, seated in the heavenlies. So what he did was put to our account as though we did it. Now, we didn't do it, but he did it in our place. So his victory is put to us, and therefore we are victorious. See there in verse 57, But thanks be to God, which hath given us the victory. He gave us the victory. It's not a victory you worked for. It's not a victory you earned. It was a victory he gave. Therefore, because of the security that we have, the victory that we have, let's live victoriously. You and I are supposed to live because of our position that we have in Christ. We are victors. We are winners. We are secure because we're in Christ. Then he says, live like it. You and I ought to remember, you are a child of the king. You should live like you're a child of the king. Use the language of the court. Learn the word of God. And remember, you and I are not paupers in this world. We're children of the king. We own it all. Let's live like it. Think like it. Believe it. And watch God work in our lives. Doing things for us. We don't deserve. But because he has bestowed upon us additional grace to live. When Dr. Curtis Hudson was dying, he came to our church. And he had cancer and he didn't have long to live. And he, uh, before he sung, me and Betty got up there and we sung a song called New Grace. And he said, I want that song sung at his funeral. So I think it was his daughters that learned it and they sung it at his funeral. In other words, I've never faced this before. God will give you grace 
as you need it. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain help in time of need. In other words, you may not get it until you need it. Sometimes you feel so helpless because of so many things that may come at you. And you don't have any victory. You don't sense victory. But go to the throne of grace and get a little extra help in time of need. As it says in the Psalms, Lord, help thou me speedily. What that means is now. You ever feel like God's taking too much time and you need help and you need it now? God knows that. Now I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John and chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. In describing that whosoever believeth becomes a son of God. Mentions that in verse 1. But what I want you to look at there is in verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. You see, we didn't win the victory because we worked and we plodded along and we endured to the end and we made Christ the Lord the master of my life and I, I had victory because look what I... No, 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 no. This is a victory that's won only by faith. In other words, when Christ died for us, by our faith alone, his victory is put to our account. It's like I lived my life and I had victory over the devil and I had victory over the sinful nature and I had victory over the, the grave and I came back from the dead. As though I did it all, but I did none of it. Christ did it for me. So his victory was given to me. He comes from the dead, gives me his victory. That satisfaction. Where God in heaven was satisfied. And if he's satisfied by my accepting it, I, I'm saying, I'm satisfied. Therefore, I'm not trying to earn something because I'm already satisfied that it's done. Notice something else here. You'll notice there in the last part of verse 4 where he says, And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? When you believe on Jesus as the Son of God, he's the one that came into the world and did this, and you're trusting him. You trust him, he gives you as a free gift everlasting life. And that's why a couple of verses later he says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. From John three eighteen. But he's talking about he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Therefore, he says, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You know you have eternal life. You're secure in that. You are looked upon as an overcomer. You overcame because of your faith in Christ, not because of your works, because we all fail. I would hate to depend my salvation upon my performance. We come so far short of anything that God wants done. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Revelation in chapter 20. See, what in the world Revelation chapter 20 got to do with what we're talking about? I'm glad you asked. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to tie it all together. But Revelation chapter 20, I want you to notice that when the Lord comes back to the earth after the tribulation period, it says there's something that's going to take place. And he makes a statement there in verse 5. But the rest of the dead 
lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. You and I, when we come back with God, Christ, from heaven to the earth, there will be a resurrection. But those who are believers, there's power in the first resurrection. The power that quickens their bodies. The power that will quicken our bodies. The first resurrection is for believers. This, he says, in verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, shall reign with him a thousand years. But we who do believe on Christ, we have eternal life, we will live and reign with Christ upon the earth for one thousand years. But he says, the rest of the dead lived not until the thousand years were over. And they will be resurrected and stand at the great white throne judgment. So you and I, we win by mere fact that we trusted Christ as our Savior. And we are in Him that was victorious. So, if you'll notice now in verse 12 of chapter 20. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. This is the lost being judged according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Now this isn't to determine their destination, but the amount of punishment they receive in hell. Because, you see, those people that he's talking about that were resurrected here are those in the second resurrection in which there is no power. And he's talking about here, and look in verse 14, and death and hell, that's the people that stand here at this judgment, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, do you believe that any Christian is in danger of the second death? What? No? Well, you're right. No believer has to ever worry or fear about the second death. Because you and I have trusted Christ. We don't have to ever worry about this place. Now that brings us to a, a problem. You knew something was coming, didn't you? Now look there in chapter 2, Revelation. Revelation in chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I want you to notice there in verse 11. As you study Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, where he's talking about the church. You'll notice that in the beginning of each one of these letters to the church, it says, to the church at Ephesus, or to the church at Smyrna, to the church at Pergamos, or to the church at Thyatira, to the church at Philadelphia, to the church at Laodicea, to the church. It's singular. But at the end of every one of them, it says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. All plural. The beginning, singular, in plural. There is a message for the church as a body of believers. But at the end of it, it's like there is a guarantee of your 
security that you have in Christ. Now notice what it says here in verse 10. Verse 10. He says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you or thee a crown of life. He that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So whenever you see the word overcome, you naturally would think, well, this is talking about you as an individual must work and overcome, or you could be in danger of the second death. But since this is found in the book of Revelation, and later on in the book of Revelation, it tells us what he is talking about, the second death is those that will be cast into the lake of fire. True? So the Christian has really got to be careful and make sure that they're overcomers because if you don't overcome, you're going to be in danger of going to the second death. Is that right? I can't make a case on that. Y'all ain't no fun at all. In Braille. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't have a book of Braille. You know, in the library, we have a whole Bible on Braille. But anyway, what I want you to look at is this. In spite of what they were going through, Smyrna means it was like a flower that's going to be crushed. And this magnificent aroma, the smell that comes up that God loves. He's talking about his children here going through some great trials and tribulations. And he says, some of you are going to die. You're going to be martyred. He said, but be ye faithful even unto death. In other words, evidently, God's not going to save everybody from dying. They're going to die. God's not going to save everybody from dying. What if he did? We'd never get to heaven in this whole world, wouldn't it be? There's nothing but old folks here. And we're one of them. <laughs> I told Betty one day, we were walking past the window, and you could see it in the window. I said, look at that old couple. It was us. <laughs> you know, have you ever been to um, Cracker Barrel? Sat in one of those rocking chairs? I walked by the other day and this lady was sitting there. I said, no, ma'am, ma'am, you know you're old when you sit in a rocking chair and you can't get it going. I said, but I can see you got it going. She laughed. I laughed. Got out of there quickly. Her husband was coming. <laughs> but now notice, at the end of these, it seemed like it's a... Something for every believer to remember. You see, every believer is an overcomer. We have believed on Christ, and his victory is given to us. So you look there in chapter 2, in verse 1. He writes to the church at Ephesus. But when he writes to the church there at Ephesus, he tells them some things about what they're doing that is so wonderful and so good, and he brags on them. Uh, but he says, I got something against you. He says, nevertheless, in verse 4, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And to remember something, and one of the things that he wants them to remember, is when he says down there in verse 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So every believer was to know what he said to all seven churches. But each one of these churches, as an individual church, uh, there were things God would do if they didn't, as a body of believers, obey him. And he could turn out their lights. Do you know that a lot of lights have been taken out? 
Uh, those churches, they're not existing today. And uh, it happens all over. The great Florida Bible College existed. Well, it, it's not, the light's not shining there anymore. So we try to keep going and doing things. But what I want you to see is when he says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. It's like at the end of every one of these, because this is the security, of, I believe, of every believer. All believers are going to eat of the tree of life. Look what I've done for you. I did what I did for you because I love you. And I want you to remember, I know that you've left your first love. I want you to remember I did what I did because I loved you. Therefore, I want you to do this. But it is a security at the end that I believe he tacks on. And when he says there in verse 11, even though there's some that are going to be martyred, you're going to die and to be faithful even unto death. But remember this in verse 11, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. That is the guarantee. None of God's children will ever have to worry about the second death. We will have to face the first one, but we'll never have to worry about the second one. Can you see that? I can see that. And I'm not going to have to worry because, you know, well, if I don't endure, then I'm going to, I have a possibility I could still go into the lake. No, that's not it. You are an overcomer because you have believed on Christ. You see, God used John to write the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. And you'll find a lot of camaraderie between these books because they explain each other. And I love it. Look what he says here in another portion of scripture. It makes a statement in verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, and you could just say, to every believer. Will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone and a, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. I believe that time God's going to have a special name just for me. And God's going to have a special name just for you. Now later on, he says, and I'm going to tell you my name. It's like it's another name. Maybe we've never really said his name correctly. I don't know. But notice what he says. I'm going to give you something. Every one of God's children, you're going to get to eat of the tree of life. Every one of God's children, this is a guarantee, you'll never have to worry about the second death. That's where you, when you die and go to a place called hell, you'll never have to worry about that. Later on, he tells you what that place is, and you and I already know we can't go there. So it cannot be based upon my enduring or doing or overcoming something else in my life. No, everyone who trusts Christ as Savior is an overcomer. His victory is put to your account as though you were victorious. But you didn't do it. He did. And even though in this life we may suffer many things and lots of trials and tribulations and even unto death. He says, I'm not going to necessarily save you from the first death. But I will make sure you don't have to worry about the second. We're not hanging over hell by a thread. That I've got to really keep, and I mean, I better watch my P's and Q's and the rest of the alphabet. 
I don't have to ever worry about that. I have got a guarantee. And even though he talks to every one of these churches, he gives us a guarantee. Uh, you look over there in chapter 3 and look down there in this here verse 5 where he says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his throne. See, this is not for a reward. This is because I am his child. We have this seal. We have this confidence. The Father knoweth them that are His. He is not ashamed to call us His brethren, as it says in Hebrews in chapter 2. God loves us. And the guarantee He gives to us, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I will not let you have to worry about the second death. I don't ever have to worry about that. He cannot and will not blot my name out of the book of life. It's assurance that you can rest. Even though we fail and we don't do all the things that we're supposed to do, in spite of all of that, you have the confidence. Every one of God's children, verse 4, shall walk in white. Because we are looked upon as worthy because we are in Christ. He gave us this. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is what he did for us. He said, now, and because of this, this is what I want you to do. Would you do this for me? Would you, be, would you do this for me? You see, I maybe look at it a little bit different from some people, but this is how I see these scriptures. I, I want you to see this other one here in the same portion of scripture. Look what he says there in uh, verse 12. Of chapter 3. He says. Him that overcometh. Will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Now when you read the book of Galatians in chapter 2. and Verse 9. Talks about certain pillars. But also in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. Where it says that we. Believers. Are built up a spiritual house. Into which is a temple for God to dwell in. I believe there's something there. But I also have something else I believe. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down from heaven. Now, you say, well, what does is, what is maybe all that mean? Well, let me give you my understanding. You see, he's talking here about the new city, the holy Jerusalem. But once you hold your place right here and look over there in the book of Revelation and look there in chapter 21. Look in chapter 21. When he makes the statement, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then he says, let me show you who it is. So you look over there in verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. Talk with me, saying, Come hither. I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. This is where we live. This is where the church lives. This is for the bride. I believe this holy city is for us. He promised Israel the earth. 
and they will rule. I believe the bride is going to have a mansion that you can't believe. I mean, wouldn't you do that for your wife if you could? I mean, if you could, you would, right, Dan? I mean, you would do it. Sure. She doesn't see that. <laughs> so I believe that the scripture here talking about this holy city, New Jerusalem. Now, later on, see from chapter 2, he explains what he's talking about about this holy city. Would take my place. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.